This band could be your food. Welcome, friends, to This Band Could Be Your Food. I am your host, Nathan Palin, contacting you from Brooklyn, suffering from lots of allergies. It's that time of year again, folks. Oh, it's the worst. And, you know, I came to find out this year uh, my son also has allergies worse than I do. So whatever tree is outside trying to procreate, stop it. That's enough. Grow up, as they say. Thank you so much for joining us. As you may have saw, today we're going to be talking about My Morning Jacket, Louisville, Kentucky's southern answer to Radiohead. Is that true? We'll find out. It's a fun talk that we had this week. Let me set the stage for you. Uh, Last weekend, I was supposed to run in what they call an ultra relay. An ultra relay is when you get uh, a certain number of folks. If you're really awesome, you'll get six folks. That's what we do. There's six of us. We get in a van, and then we each run certain segments of this 200 and I think it's 10-mile course. So everybody, it's divided into 36. So six people are going to run six different runs at different moments in time. It takes a day and a half, and when you're done, you end up at an outdoor brewery, and you get a pint of beer. That's your reward. I don't know if it's worth it, but we do it anyways. It's about the journey, folks. The journey is what it's all about. So anyways, we were about to do this relay. We've done it. We've done it once before. They've done it a few times. I have been included one time previously. Anyways, this year turns out after COVID and age, all of us are injured. I have uh, I've had some knee surgery in the meantime, and I uh, wasn't feeling super confident, so I told him I can run a couple, two, three runs. And in the meantime, uh, two, three other members of the group ends up suffering other injuries. So we just said, hey, why don't we go to a house maybe on a lake of some kind? And everybody enthusiastically said yes. In the meantime, I discovered that uh, most of the people on my running team are big My Morning Jacket fans, and I just saw My Morning Jacket for my very first time. They played at Forest Hills a couple of months ago, and I went with my good friend Nate Hall. You know him. He's done a bunch of episodes of this show. Also, another member of the running club who also could not join us because he's recently a father and uh, not permitted to leave the nest just yet. So we figured as long as we were going to be slugging down bourbons, it'd be a good reason to uh, pull out the microphones and find a good food and uh, talk about many of these fellers' favorite band or ex-favorite band, depending on who you're talking to. So it's good. We got a big group of uh, enthusiastic Southerners talking about uh, My Morning Jacket, and uh, we're going we're gonna to learn some stuff about them, some interesting stuff. And I think you're really going to be intrigued by what I uncovered. Once again, our show is sponsored by Izzy's Coffee. I happen to have a cup right in front of me. And it is certainly bringing some sunshine to this cloudy, muggy, bummer of a day. And my allergies... Hey, did you know that caffeine is is good for your allergies? You didn't? Neither did I. But I I bet it is. Let's see. Let's have a sip. Ah, Yeah, that's better. Izzy's Coffee out of Asheville, North Carolina. They have two locations. Neither of them have pour-overs. 
or drive-up service. Get out of your car, walk up there, get a delicious cup of coffee. Enjoy the artwork. They have great art shows. Do you know that? I was just there a couple weeks ago, and I was able to uh, observe the local art. They do like a, a show there from like local Asheville artists, and it's wonderful. And you can buy the stuff and you know get yourself some real, authentic artwork. Support local artists. Ugh. So, okay. Let's waste no more time and head right into our conversation. Now, let me set the stage. As I said, we uh, we're gonna do it. We were gonna do it uh, earlier in the day, but uh, day one, we had really enjoyed a lot of libations. Is that it? Is that what they're called? Libations. So we couldn't get it done by lunch. We ended up opting for a dinner time chat. So we set it up on a boat, folks. The first boat podcast that we've ever had. It was a docked boat, but a boat nonetheless. So you will hear all the boat things, boats in the distance, dogs walking around on metal planks, and an incredible amount of ice clinking in plastic glasses. So buckle up. Here is our conversation with my fellow members of the Rabies Awareness Running Squad and our feelings on the band My Morning Jacket. Here we go. You guys are officially uh, My Morning Jacket fans. Officially. Yes. Officially, yes. yes. This is one of the first bands I've done that I don't, I don't really... Hard, I'm just kind of learning about them now. Yeah. I finally got to see them play at the Forest Hills. In t what year is that? Uh, this, this year. Yeah, just... That was oh. my first show. Just last fall, right? Yeah. 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 Totally. How many shows have you seen? So... <laughs> I guess... Uh, well, I'll start. So I've been... I've, Ladies and gentlemen, this is Matt Frazier, one of the finest MFs I've ever met. I think of the first time I heard My Morning Jacket was right around 2000. You know, I think Tennessee Fire had come out 98, I believe. Mm -hmm. So, you know, I've been listening to them for, you know, I don't know, what's that, 22 years. Sure. Um, but haven't really been a fan until probably closer to, you know, 2012 or 2015, like somewhere in there. Um mm. Yeah. So, okay. um, more, more recently, probably the last 10 years, I've been a bigger fan than I was the first 10 years sure. of the past 20 years. What, uh, what changed? It just started to make more sense. Well, yeah, that's interesting. Um, there were a couple components maybe, you know, in my life were, were happening in, in music started becoming more important to me mm -hmm. in some way shape or form and somehow or some way that that it it connected with me a little bit a little bit more um and then not not to mention um you know my brother of all people which has always been a big influence for music for me started to become a big fan and um going to shows and being excited about it and, it, right. was, and it was a way that we could essentially bond, bond yeah. and mm -hmm and hang out and now it's turning into you know a great way for us to to get together um and and not only chat throughout the days of, of the weeks but you know to get together make sure that we get together at least once or twice a year and and maybe incorporate a show in in there sure is, is he an older brother or a younger brother older brother yeah yeah they always, so, have, they always know the best the most about music I know, right? The older brothers. Yeah, absolutely. Mm -hmm. So in the beginning, you know, the 2000, it was this album 
that you know you heard about the the grain silo and and yeah. you know some of the the inter- interesting ways that they decided to do some recording and totally yeah they were doing all their recording like uh, at a farm it was like yeah. Jim James's extended family's like I forget what what kind of farm it was but certainly the second record I feel like the first record was kind of just recorded mostly as a demo exactly um except that he he never really recorded anything with the idea like it, like a demo is going to be a separate thing he always when he records records with the idea that you know what what this is eventually is going to be probably on the record so he always tries to make it sound good you know kind of the yeah and experimenting catch, and catch and, the magic and trying some things that you know may or may not work um yeah you know again yeah that record being a demo and then you know most recently when when you know seeing them it's it's you know that that's just a platform for what they could potentially turn a song into you know yeah, yeah, yeah. um which which is why you know they've been called one of the the best live shows that you can see and um at least for me is is to to see what they can take a song and and turn it into um and you know that that might be as cliche as you know when when it comes to live music i mean it is pretty cliche, like you got to see him live, you know. Yeah, but 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 I've I mean, heard that's, more. That's, that's more. why I went to see because they're like everyone's like you you don't get them until you see them live, right? Because that's what they 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 even say like they their recordings are one thing, and then when they go perform, they perform as if they were like a, a metal band. Yeah, you know? yeah, <laughs> yeah, yeah. But it's like not metal music, obviously. But right? yeah, yeah. And Tennessee Fire wasn't the most catchy, um, you know, more more experimental and very interesting. But it was like, hmm, okay. You know, um, yeah. now is that the second record? Tennessee Fire was the first. That was '98, right? That was the first, yeah. Okay, yeah, yeah. yeah. That is the first. So what was yeah, yeah? What was y'all's first? It was around the same time. Folks, presenting the second member of the Rabies Awareness Running Club slash My Morning Jacket fan, Chris Russell. Like 2000 or so, and I was at the time like spending a lot of time driving, and mm. I remember some a friend, a good friend of mine. Who I always trusted with music recommendations said you should check out this band I think you'll like them and mm-hmm. uh, I picked up a CD and just you know threw it in yeah. my CD player in my car and just listened to it a lot driving around so it was, it was DC it, it was instant you're like this is I'm, I'm into this yeah <clears throat> um, and just like the just kind of the that silo there's like a lot of this ambient noise going on in the background and yeah and, and it reminded me of other stuff that i had you know grown up listening to whether it was like the neil young influences mm-hmm. or you know all those things but it was a yeah r- really really early on but then we were in dc and th- there's a club there called the 930 club yeah yeah they Famous. started coming through there every year or so pretty early on i i got to go see them and then it was, you know, kind of an immediate, just these yeah. guys are incredible. And it yeah. was a very different experience than just riding around in a car listening to For it. For sure. So uh, before we dive too far into the history of the band, let, let's just use enough pieces to deduce what the food is going to be. You had made the recommendation right off the bat, and I couldn't think of what they what they would be. Yeah. But you just knew. <laughs> <laughs> well... I, I knew of the the hot brown sandwich yeah. from from which is from Louisville. 
Yeah. Uh, which originated is, there. Which is where the band is from. Which is where the band is from. So there's the clear connection to that. But then when I was thinking about it and recommending it, it just kind of clicked to me because there's a bunch, there's a lot going on in the sandwich. There there's, is. There are layers to it. There are sort of unexpected flavors, whatever you want to say. Yes. And that, to me, was very similar to the way I feel about their music. For sure. It And it's, I mean, the name itself is like... <laughs> what is this? I mean, right. it, it, I feel like it, it, it's something that we, I, for me, I've heard of, but I don't really know exactly what it is. Like, uh, what is that breakfast meat that scrapple? Is that what it is? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> it's yeah. like us Northerners, like, what is that? It, right. it's, it's like, like spam, more or less. <laughs> yeah. Yes? Yeah. yeah. Okay. Yeah. yeah. So mm-hmm. I, I looked into the hot brown. Yep. Louisville comes from the Brown Hotel. Uh, it, it was a food that was served for the people late at night. After they had, as they had said, had a night of dinner and dancing, what I think they meant was drinking. It sounds like a food that was made for drunk people by a drunk person. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. Right. Yeah. Right. Like, well, what do we have? Ah, they're going to love this. Yeah. So, all right. We've decided my morning jacket is uh, the hot brown. Here we go. Yeah. Nice. Morning jacket. There they start in Louisville. You've got uh, Jim James. Anyone remember what his real name is? He has a real name. It's not Jim James. It's not Yim Yams. No. <laughs> Folks, this is the voice of the third contributor to this chat, Bradford Matthews. Not an official member of the running team, but possible future van driver of the group. Peanut butter sandwich maker. There's a lot of extra jobs that need to be done for this running club. But Bradford Matthews is a Lifelong My Morning Jacket fan, a good contributor to this whole weekend that we had. Before we go any further, just to clarify, Jim James's real name is James Edward Olegis, Olegis, Olegis Jr. One of those three. Carry on. Why did he start calling himself Yim Yames? I think it was just like a solo, like he started doing some solo gigs and that was like what he went by for his solo gigs. That's 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 my take on it. You guys Yeah, I think that's right. That, yeah. So he just performed solo as Yim Yams. Yeah. <clears throat> yeah, so his whole thing is he had this other band that was more of an aggressive rock band. He was part of like the Louisville scene, which, you know, had cool bands like Rachel's is from there and I think Slint is from there. There's like mm. a bunch of like Louisville like post-punk bands going on. Mm. But what Jim James thought to do was he was inspired by the band because he said like that's a band that everybody kind of likes you know like you can still play that music for your parents or your grandparents or kids and everyone's like you know it's like slow enough and it's not too aggressive so that was like Jim James's inspiration to sort of start start that style of music Mm -hmm. Uh, and it was uh, apparently the, the bass player Tom something or another Tom Blankenship. Tom Blankenship, yeah. He's he's basically the other oldest member of the group. Yeah. He had gotten a tape, on one side had songs from Month of Sundays, which was Jim James's yeah. 
official band. And then the other side was his sort of solo demo stuff, which he was calling My Morning Jacket. Do you know how he got inspired to play music in the first place? His first inspirations? Was it his hair? Because <laughs> <laughs> it's incredible. His, his hair is pretty awesome. <laughs> or something. <laughs> yeah, it's something. Yeah. You're still talking about Tom, right? <laughs> <laughs> Is, t- is Tom's hair the awesome one? I thought we were talking about Jim James. No, Jim Tom's James hair is, is, is now It is an awesome. instrument in and of itself. <laughs> yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah, on sure. stage. Yeah. 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 Well, they were, like, always that way. Like, they always had tons of hair and would, like, thrash around and be metal band. Yeah. With his flying V. Yes. He has one of the best collections of guitars I've ever seen. Yeah. It was just, like, every... I feel like he had a different guitar for every song, and everyone was like, oh, my God, that's awesome. Yeah. 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 So his inspiration for music, though? The Muppet Show. Oh, nice. He saw the Muppet movie, and he remembers being moved to tears when Kermit the Frog was sitting on the boat playing Rainbow Connection. (laughs) That checks out. Yeah, like all of his like first major musical influences were like this really like melancholy kind of music. Melancholy. Melancholy. (laughs) Yeah, you've been there. (laughs) Back there in the peanut gallery is the leader of the Rabies Awareness Running Club and non-My Morning Jacket fan, Ross Britton. You may remember him from such episodes as Tears for Fears and Nutrimilk Hotel. He's just back there to keep us honest. Carry on. <laughs> yeah. Uh, yeah, so he was, he was really into that. Like, one of his favorite recordings is When You Wish Upon a Star, like the original recording. Mm. He, he loves that stuff. His first 45 was Dan Fogelberg, leader of the band. Hell, yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, that was like... He was three, and that's what he was into. He said that in Thriller, of course, which is weird, I think, for a three-year-old. That's not what I was listening to. Yeah, I was listening to like Crocodile Rock and and the Wiggles. And the Wiggles. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, yeah. But it's interesting that Kermit and that that Muppets influence because I think some of his earlier lyrics actually sounded had a little bit of like a Kermit sound to them yeah but seriously no. and like not in a bad way but it, that was like yeah i'm with clearly you. sometimes now it sounds like stewie from family guy <laughs> that's awesome yeah yeah so it was the muppet show it, it turns out like later on after after dan fogelbird died he ended up buying his like music council nice. so like now he wow continues to carry the the dan fogelberg torch <laughs> but thank god Somebody is. Yeah, totally. <laughs> so, yeah, so then, uh, then, then he's, he's starting this band. He, he wants to be like the band and Neil Young and stuff like that. And they start they start playing around Louisville. And then for whatever reason, uh, Belgium gets really excited about him. Belgium is like the first people to like give them any love. And they, like after maybe 20 shows, some music promoter out there brings them out and they're like huge in mm. Belgium. Almost hmm. like, uh, what's the band from Singles? Do you remember? Like uh, Matt Damon's band? Touch that, Me, I'm Dick. What, touch, touch Me, I'm Dick, yeah. We've got a big record in Belgium. And then my Great recall. Jack- Great recall. Yeah, nice work. <laughs> yeah, that was good. <laughs> Matt Dillon. Matt Dillon. Mm. Uh, Matt Dillon. Yeah. Mm-hmm. <laughs> Matt Dillon. <laughs> I got my fact checker here. Yeah, you've got, you've got a, your, your real-time editor over there. Yeah, that's good. 
Jim James actually does most of the actual recording for them. He's like the main engineer. It was like it wasn't until like Z that they actually brought in another person to record their records. He always did everything himself. Like he would have an engineer. It's pretty impressive that their records sound as good as they do for you know just a guy who doesn't really know what he's doing. Mm-hmm. You know, with any like professional training or anything. Yeah. But being smart enough to use the grain silo with all the reverb and just what sounded good to him. And yeah. that's what he laid down. Totally. We were talking a lot about dad rock. Yeah. And I, I kind of always thought that My Morning Jacket was like number two behind Wilco on the list of dad rock bands. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I think that's accurate. Yeah. yeah. I think I think they have a little too much, maybe a little too much of an edge to be number two. I think you're right. Yeah, I mean, I just saw them like a week ago. There's a lot of young people there. There's plenty of ladies there. Yeah. They seem to be not there just because they're with their dudes. Yeah, yeah. You know? Yeah. Not like it was when I saw the guy from Sonvolt. It was like the only ladies there were the ones that were there as dates from there. As dates, right. Yeah, from right. there. And yeah. looked incredibly unhappy because yeah. they were being dragged to yeah. Sunvolt. Sunvolt. Yeah, the sad, yeah. The sad bastard country music. Yeah. <laughs> well, you know, Sunvolt is an iteration of Wilco, so it's, it's, the, dad, it's the dad rock it family is, yeah. tree. Yeah. What about at Forest Hills? Did you see a lot of ladies? Yeah, you know, I did see a lot of ladies. Yeah. 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 And do you feel like it's it's the the guy bringing the lady along, or is it? No, I don't think so. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, it, they clearly succeeded in bringing a large group of people together. That was like young and old, and, and yeah. Uh, yeah, yeah, you know. And and they're they're such an interesting band because like they don't really have any singles that they're tied to. Right. Right. I mean, right. they've got off the record. Um, yeah. Which I think that's like the only tune they have to play every night. Or if, one big holiday. One big holiday. Touch me, I'm gonna scream. This seem to be like ones that show up in almost every show. Okay. Yeah. But if you heard yeah. something mm-hmm. on a, on the Golden. radio, it was yeah. probably yeah. what off the record. Off the record, I'm amazed. Maybe I'm amazed. There you I, go. I th- yeah, I think they were pushing that as a single. They yeah. they did that one on Saturday Night Live. Yeah. Yeah. I know. Yeah. But what's nice about that is is like the, as long as they want to keep being a band, like they're not gonna be. You know, tied to having to play yeah. these things. Like you know, you go see the Violent Femmes, and they, right, they right. Play, oh my you know, gosh. it's I've seen them a bunch of times, and they yep. mix up the set list, but they they usually they hit the same songs. Yeah. They've got to they've got to play ha- to. half of the first record. They've yep. got to play you know American music and yeah um, and everything else. Whereas My Morning Jacket, I think that they're geared to play any of like the hundred and twenty songs in their catalog at like, yeah, any sure. given night. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. Oh yeah. I mean, barring finishing with like one one big holiday, yeah. For example, that's right. just a great one to go out on. Yeah, and they tend to do that, but um, yeah. especially if they, if they have a run at Red Rock, say, you know, I mean, they're not going to play the same same song twice. Yeah, tends mm-hmm. to be the mm-hmm. you know. Yeah, that's what. Yeah, they they think they remember mentioning in San Francisco they did three nights in a row and they switched it up every single night yeah. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. yeah and again it was having the catalog to to do so you know i mean I, I know a lot of times in the past too i mean they would play a lot of covers and and get the crowd going with with 
the music that they grew up with, you know? Yeah. 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 So. How many times do you think you've seen him? Probably between 10 and 15 times. Oh, wow. Yeah. yeah. Was it always them as the headliner? Uh, yes. Okay. Yes. Yeah. Same with me. Yeah? Yeah. Same Same in that range. Yeah. yeah. About a dozen. Yeah, tell, me some of the, tell me some of the covers that they played. Mercy, Mercy, Mercy. Mm. I heard him do What's Going On. Yeah, well, I've seen him do What's Going On. Yeah, that was at the Forest Hills, right? Yeah. That was pretty awesome. That was super awesome. Um, they had a huge disco ball. One of the biggest disco balls I've ever seen. Yeah. Mirror yeah. ball, whatever. Yeah, yeah it's really yeah, it was super awesome. Yeah, we were talking about that today. They have probably one of the best disco balls on tour, in, for on, sure. on tour for sure <laughs> that I've seen. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Do they? I, I don't remember seeing the bears, but I heard that they always have bears on the stage too. Oh yeah, there's a bear tucked over by Bo yeah, next to the keyboard. Yeah. Okay, yeah. pretty much every time I've seen. And he's him, so. he's got like a scarf on or yeah. some sort of like a vest almost. It's, yeah, this little They'll cover little Rocket bear. Man too. Rockman, Rocket Man. Oh, perfect. Elton John. Yeah, yeah that's yeah. been a big one. Um, most recently, and I saw him in Mexico just in the beginning of March, and. Uh, can't you hear me knocking? Stones. Oh, Ooh. yeah. Was That's just great. one off. Yeah. Um, Trey and Anastasia came on stage and did oh, yeah? did that with them. And the it was pretty much probably the best cover I've ever seen them do. So. Yeah. <laughs> it, was, it was pretty awesome. Um, some of some of the others, Ross. We were just talking about some yacht rock. Um, they they tend to cover some um, "Ride Like the Wind." That's one of the, another cover. Oh, they do. Yeah, they. I think they open. So every every year, or I shouldn't say every year, but periodically they do what's called one big holiday, and it's a four day music festival in in Mexico, and I've seen them in Dominican Republic as well. Oh wow! And it's yeah, one big holiday. So they sure. invite a number of bands to join them, and they have a four day music festival in in the in the islands, and uh, I, and they're the ones that like curate it. Yeah, yeah, it's awesome. It's it's the Jackets Festival. So, you know, other bands tend to do that, and it tends to be more centric around them yeah. um, and don't have any guests with them. And I think the great, the great thing about One Big Holiday is they do bring a, a, a number of bands with them and yeah. make it more about the community and not just about them. Yeah. Wilco's doing that now, too. They've been doing that for a couple of years. Yeah. I think yeah. they just do it in the same place every time. Yeah. I don't think it's a holiday thing. Yeah, it's called Solid Sound. Yeah, and it's yeah, at yeah. Mass Mocha, in okay. in like the western part of Massachusetts. It's like a big art center, mm. and they take it over for a weekend. And prior to COVID, they did it every two years. I think they may be bringing it back this year. Mm. Similar, similar deal. Yeah, they know they were uh, performing a lot, and they're talking about breaking it up, like at the end of their what was that huge double record. 
You talking about Waterfall and Waterfall 2? Yeah, Waterfall and Waterfall 2, yeah. They broke those up into two records. Yeah. Well, yeah, it was all recorded together, but yeah. Waterfall 2 came out in the middle of COVID. Um, they released that. Yeah. I think of that first that first summer. You were saying that Waterfall 2 is better than the first Waterfall. Were you saying that? Like, they, they the songs sound better Yeah, I think, I think so. Yeah. yeah, I agree. Waterfall 2 is the one that just came out, right? Like, just within the last... Yeah. No, no, no. That Six one's months? just self-titled. That's Is my it? morning jacket. Yeah. Okay, okay. Yeah. Waterfall 2 came out summer of 2020. Okay, okay. Yeah, yeah. yeah. I don't That's even right. think he That's considered right. them B-sides, but yeah, Jim basically, from my understanding, put yep. together just, you know, the, the rest of the catalog from those sessions. Yeah, yeah. And, uh, and released them just, frankly, to... I know it helped me in terms of sanity and in the yeah. middle of COVID, yeah. Yeah. you know, getting Absolutely. some new music. Totally. It was, it was fantastic to, yeah, to have, yeah. you know. Yeah. Um, now, you, do you know the songs Wonderful and Out of My System? Oh, yeah. Yeah. Um, apparently, Jim James wrote those songs with the idea that they were going to be in a Muppet movie. Mm-hmm. Like, he was kind of brought in when they were remaking the Muppets, the new versions of the Muppets, and they were having people create music for it yeah there was somebody who uh later was fired and so therefore my morning jacket kind of like was not able to participate but he had written those songs with the idea that dr teeth and the electric mayhem would be singing those songs i could absolutely see him singing out of my system definitely yeah. <laughs> definitely totally. yeah and yeah. wonderful absolutely on the yeah. muppets Both of them. i so so there was i guess there was like two times that they were approached to to include music for it and both times it fell through and so he used those songs as like a reason for him to like finish the record that they were working on. Huh. Yeah. That's funny. Did, did any of you guys ever see him with like the more original members? Because the original lineup of the band has, has this guy named Jay Cole playing drums, mm. a guy named Johnny Quaid playing electric guitar, mm-hmm. who was his cousin, I think. Yeah, mm-hmm. um, that's right. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And Tom Blankenship's been in the band the whole time. Yeah. Um, so they kind of were making their transitions. Uh, Jake Jake Hole left the group after I think the third record, and that's when they brought in uh, his grade school buddy. Yeah, Patrick. Patrick Callahan. Yeah. Yeah. Who uh, shares the same birthday as Jim James? That's right. Oh. Yeah, same birthday. Yeah. So he's kind of the first replacement, and then uh, later on, I think they had had another keyboard player or something. Cash, Danny Cash. Yeah, Danny Cash. Um, yeah, yeah, and then after some touring, Danny Cash and the original guitar player, his cousin, they left, and then they brought in the guys they have now. What are the, what's their guys' name? Carl Brommel. Carl Brommel. Yeah, Tom's been there, Patrick and Bo and on Bo. the keys. Yeah, yeah, and I mean all, you know, a lot of people put a lot of weight behind Jim, but I, I would frankly say that my morning jacket, like we were talking the other night, is would not be who they are without each one of those individuals. I mean, and they all have their own following in and of themselves, you know? Like, a lot of people, when you go to a show, they're standing Carl's side, you know? Yeah. On the, on the stage, because they want to be in front of Carl when he rocks out. And uh, 
conversely, other people are in front of Bo, you know, and, you know, Tom's typically rocking right in the middle with, uh, with Jim, you know, but, uh, you know, honestly, the, the, the glue of the band is, is Patrick just wailing on those freaking drums in the back, man. I mean, that dude is a monster on the drums and, yeah, and frankly sure. is a lot of fun to watch. You know? Yeah. Yeah. Very much so. Yeah. Totally. Well, I mean, there's, I mean, there's not a loose link in, in that chain. Everybody yeah. is pretty awesome. Yeah. Bo's killer. Uh, and, and what, like Bo, I think he got tapped in to start playing with Roger Waters, right? Yeah. He's the touring keyboardist for Roger Waters. So, um, he definitely has a lot of clout yeah. in the industry. And, you know, if you watch him play, you know, he's got a, he wears a, a nice low a full brimmed cowboy style hat and, you know, he's just over there rocking out. You, you had mentioned a minute ago about how they almost broke up or decided to stop playing yeah. together and they kind of bo all branched off into their own stuff. And everything that I've read about them recently uh, coming back together is they, they realized how much they loved playing music, live music together. I'm sure that happens to plenty of bands, but for the, sure. I think yeah. what you're talking about where there's really no weak link in that in that chain and they the the energy that they can produce clearly is something that is impactful for them and it's, it's yeah. to me it's really cool to see that they've now kind of come back to this place where they want to go out and make make live music together for sure you know? yeah i mean i had listened to an interview with tom and he was sort of mentioning you know this is you know what i've done since i was 20 you know and he's mm -hmm. like 45 now like more than mm -hmm. half of his life is being a member of my morning jacket mm -hmm. yeah and mm -hmm. so when he was faced with the uh you know let's put it down he's like well what else am i gonna do you know like what my what does my resume look play bass in a band yeah you yeah. know yeah so he was thinking about going back to school i think because they all left school to really pursue my morning jacket, at least, at least Tom did. He was going to be a teacher, I think. Hmm. Um, so he was sort of thinking maybe to go back in that direction. Yeah. Um, but yeah, COVID hit, and and I know for all of the musicians that I know, if anybody was in sort of a any kind of a rut, creatively or you know just doing it, having a year off from playing music, just re-energized everybody. Yeah. 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 It's like you know. It's gotta be good. Yeah, one of those like just don't take anything for granted. Yeah. So, so yeah, like going into that, what was it, uh, 2018? So I went to one big holiday in 2018. It was there, I think it was number three at that point. Okay. Um, it was the third one. And they played all seven albums at the time, back to back to back to back to back. So it was, it, they played, they headlined three nights of the four. And they played all of their albums from start to finish. And we, you know, um, it was right before the Tennessee Fire 20th anniversary. Okay. And so, yeah, it was that 2018. And um, and then they went up to New York and did the Beacon Theater shows in the Tennessee Fire for the 20th. But um, that was pretty incredible. And, like, early on in that, you know, we realized, uh, the whole crowd kind of realized that they were putting it together and we were going to be catching every single album. Oh, so they didn't even announce they were doing it. They just kind of like, yeah, no, they just started. Yeah. And, uh, and you know, this is the time when you're talking about that. They're talking about starting to want maybe break up, you know, this, the, 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 yeah, the interweb boards, people, a lot of rumors going on out there. Yeah. And then, uh, in 2019, seeing them at, at, at Red Rocks, yeah. um, 
a two night stand and you know the the thought was and and the feeling was like these potentially could be their last two shows you know like that was kind of what the rumor mill had it going and i think at that point at least the the feeling that i got was like this is the beginning of something new like this is like those those shows alone like if you listen to them and and we were listening to one today and -hmm. on the way up here i was listening to I'd listened to night one and then night two I finished today again for the first time since, since then mm-hmm. in completion, you know, and it was like, you can hear something happening with the band that it was almost like they knew that, wait, we're not breaking up. They're like, we're, we're only getting better, you know, like we're only, and they, they, yeah, the starting to explore, their their catalog in ways that they hadn't and realized that there's so much more to do you know for sure so anyway for for me that was kind of exciting but yeah to have this thing hanging out there only to you know you know and, and a lot of people talking about the fact that they were going to be done yeah only having that turn into the, a second album from waterfall sessions and then you know now an, a new album and, and renewed energy yeah it's 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 pretty fun to watch like and yeah. and to see because i mean you know we've all been there you know you get burnt out after 20 years of doing anything you oh, know yeah. yeah like how what what is it going to take to 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 make this thing fresh so yeah it's it's kind of like you mentioned i mean i you, you gotta wonder if covid was like a a make or break time for probably lots of artists in general particularly musical artists because it's this time to sort of like you can't tour so you have to sort of <laughs> you're gonna throw them in you're gonna, fuck. <laughs> you're gonna fuck. just for a little context here uh so all of us are sitting on a boat a docked boat and there are those like metal planks around that are very loud if you walk on them and uh dogs that constantly need attention so once in a while ross will carry one of the dogs from one side of the dock to the other side of the dock and it looked a little bit like he was gonna throw them in so anyways that's what's up with the noise Oh, and then there's random boats in the distance. You know, just really giving you a sense of what's going on here. Carry on. You know, focus on, uh, you know, like maybe maybe writing music, getting getting more creative, like exploring your creativity that maybe you haven't been able to do for a couple of years because your bread and butter is touring or recording. And uh, there's yeah. this period of time where you, you know, can't do much of either. And so, yeah. Um, Maybe that allowed them to sort of like take a little that that break that they needed that they were exploring uh, right before that happened. Yeah. And then and then uh, you know well, realize kind of what they had and come back. Yeah. We we Matt and I got to go see them last summer in Charlotte, and it was the first show of their tour post COVID. Oh. And it was you know we were both ecstatic obviously to be able to go and see live music again <laughs> yeah and it was feeling. the first first show that i had gone to see yeah and um the, the the feeling coming from the whole thing like the the crowd the the band just everything about it was just so just genuine like glee i think and the, you could feel it from sure. them yeah and yeah. It, you know, it started off a little bit slower, they, but they just built into this incredible show and, you know, kind of left in awe almost. Yeah. yeah. Like, what, yeah. Not, yeah, I think a lot of people have a lot of ideas about, like, or, you know, who 
my morning jacket is as a as a band and like what they they convey but until you know if you do go see them live and you and you can tap into what they're they are trying to convey you know it's just it's more or less a union a solidarity as a human of humanity you know they're not they're not trying to single anybody out they're not trying to you know, be the cool guy in the crowd. They're not trying to, you know, they, they just want to have a good time and they want everybody there to have fun too, you know? Yeah. And that's like really what, you know, is, is cool to me. You know, there's other bands out there, like we were talking and I'm not going to mention bands specifically, but you know, really great music, but Looney Tooney kind of lyrics, you know, and, and, you know, when it, when it all comes down to it, like, you know, it, if they're singing about peace, love and happiness, I mean, not not too much to hate about that right sure yeah exactly <laughs> you know? yeah um yeah. even in the the red rock show that i was hearing listening to re-listening to again today you know um in the middle of touch me part two you know jim's rocking out and you know he's like everybody look 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 to your left look to your right G- give your neighbor a hug Give him a big sloppy <laughs> kiss you know <laughs> i mean I, I remember like i had totally forgotten about that but it was the most hilarious moment, but li- literally enough standing there with my brother and our friends, and <laughs> we all looked at each other and we gave each other big, <laughs> big hugs and big sloppy kisses, you know, yeah. and it was, that was part of like, well, that's, that's part of the love that they're, they're trying to convey, you know, totally. And that dude it. is so grounded in the love thing. I mean, he's what a big, um, meditator, right? He's yeah. super yeah. into, I'm, I'm not sure if it's transcendental meditation. Yeah, transcendental or, meditation. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. He's very, very spiritual dude. Yeah. yeah, I mean, he and, and when you hear his interviews, I mean, he brings up God and like he's very spiritual and yeah, um, you know, his head's in the right place, which is the guy that you want to be writing your lyrics. You right. know, like his yeah. head is kind of like in this otherworldly cloud, but also you know he's super grounded. You know, mm-hmm. he's you know full of love. He's in a band with like all of his buddies from school, and yeah. you know, like their friendship is more important than the band. Like that's what he brings up. Um, with Patrick all the time. He's just like, as soon as this band is getting in the way of our friendship, like that's the time for us to sort of put this band away. Yeah. Mm -hmm. And meanwhile, they're, they're always wondering what the future of my morning jacket is. Like if they were to stop, you know, because people these days, very people, few people buy records. So it's all like streaming. Yeah. So like trying to wonder what your legacy is going to be. Like if you stop, is it, and return, like, will the, the audience come back? You know, are people going to be sharing the music? Is it going to build momentum? Right. It's like they're, yeah. you know, they're, they're still, you know, unsure of what that is. So for them, it's like it's important for them to keep being out playing in front of people because that's what My Modern Jacket is about. It's, it's like the live experience. Exactly. Yeah. 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 Uh, how long has he been play- wearing that wizard costume? Ever since... Like always, I've seen them. Yeah, yeah. I mean, I think yeah. I first saw them live, and uh, I was I was trying to look it up earlier, just just to sort of get a, a like a time frame to think about it, and uh, it looked like it was around two thousand three, two thousand four. Yeah. So you're yeah. talking about the cape? Mm-hmm. Yeah, like, yeah, yeah, the cape, the cape and the sunglasses. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. and uh, he was wearing a cape then. I mean, yeah, was it Z? Or Z, like... Z was where the cape came out full yeah. storm. Like they had like videos. Music exactly. videos for for the songs and like particularly wordless chorus where uh, there was just a lot of like sort of this like Victorian theme and it seems like he's been 
rocking the cape ever since. Yeah. But. It felt like they that record Z was sort of their attempt to have a single. Like a lot of those tunes, like they're shorter tunes, like yeah. the, the the gentleman song. It's kind of rocking and, and yeah. you know, has some choruses and stuff. But, uh, you know, they're in a fortunate spot that they keep making records and they don't have, like, a big single anywhere, like, in their... I mean, they have yeah. some singles, but, Right, right, right. You nothing, know, like, they're not a big. singles band. They're an album band. Yeah, right. Yeah. You know. That's a, and that's a dinosaur these days. Yeah, you know? for sure. Yeah. Yeah. And then what? Like, was it circuital? His, he, so he wear... He puts on... The best. So, he, so he's got a couple different personas in my, in okay. my eyes, you know? Like, yeah, he puts on the cape and, like, you know, and... That's like it's. A, I mean, number one, let's talk about the basis. You know, he's got his brown slacks and a and these brown shoes that are like you know like like leather shoes that he wears every freaking every time I've seen him. It's like okay. I wonder how many pairs of pants he's got because <laughs> like I think it's the same pair. One like, or two. It's, yeah. it's the same pair of brown pants that I've seen for the last ten years. Well, so. didn't these guys used to play barefoot a lot of the time? Yeah, like, uh, yeah, 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 for sure. Yeah, maybe he can dance a little better with with a nice leather shoe on or something. Yeah, yeah. but yeah, yeah. Shoes. The dude, like, I mean, he'll make sure to put the cape on when it's cape time, and mm -hmm. you know, and then so the and what do you call it? It's like the it's a <laughs> it's the Moog synthesizer. I don't know if it's Moog or not, but it's got buttons and you know it's got the thing, and he'll put that on, and that's what he Accordion. does. Is no, it? no, no, it's got buttons on it, and that's what he's he's playing pre. Pre-plugged in sounds. Oh, you know. Okay. Do you know what the, you know what I'm talking about? I don't. You know what I'm talking about? Like, what do you call that? <laughs> do you know what to call that? No. No. But you it's know not a guitar, is it? I I remember the '80s. No. No, I don't. Sort of. <laughs> oh. Well, it's it's half a keyboard, half a guitar. No, no, no. It's no. Oh, it's like just a, got buttons. Like on. Future Man That's from Bella Fleck and the Fleck Tones. It's just got. Oh, sound. that's what he plays, right? Yeah. The drummer, yeah. right? Yeah. yeah, yeah. I think yeah. he's talking about it. it's like it, it is a uh, like a digital module. Okay. It yeah. goes on your chest. Yeah. That he can push buttons, and they make pre-recorded sounds. So okay. it's so like a synthesizer thing. So the beginning yeah. of yeah. Touch yeah. Me, yeah. Yeah. but like Iron Man, but like Iron Man. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Without like all the heart transplant stuff. <laughs> yeah. It's yeah. like just you know it's just Jim Jan. He just puts it on. You don't have to put it in. He just puts it on. Yeah. Right. Yeah, is that, am I, am like John Popper, exactly like John right. Popper and his like John Popper. Okay, all right. What, how does John Popper come into this? Well, because he's got a he's got that vest on. Oh, look at all the harmonicas in it. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. And then yeah. he like pulls one out. And he's yeah, like, it looks I'm like a washboard for a little bit, and I'm gonna throw it out. So, can I give you an example? Should we can we go here? Or is this? <laughs> hear this? This is called an omnichord. A little circular sampler is what it is. One of our buddies ex explained in his eyes, he's a big uh, Radiohead fan, mm -hmm. you know, and this is like a southern rock version of Radiohead. Yeah, like totally. a little, that's a good description. lot of exploratory, yeah. you know, like trying yeah. new things, trying new sounds, and like, I mean, well, listening you know, to you know, that, their, you wouldn't you know, know where album, the hell that's their, coming from. But. You know, their album Z was, was produced by the guy that produced Radiohead's The Benz. Oh right, yeah, wow. and that I think he also did. Totally makes sense. Yeah. yeah, he was also a co-engineer for 
George Harrison's uh, like triple record, like after he mm. left the Beatles. Mm -hmm. Yeah, that all things one. must pass. All things must pass. Yeah, yeah. He was the engineer for that. Oh, again, nice. so there you go. Right, again. But you know, you, so, you, so you've got this, you know, Tennessee Fire, nineteen ninety eight. You know, these country boy, Louisville, Kentucky guys that are just putting out this experimental kind of southern southern rocky flavor album and then you know you start getting into these next few albums where you're getting a lot of exploratory electronics and like you know really starting to dive into like the art of of music and, and trying new things and trying to be different and yeah. and having fun with it too you know and to see it in a show live now you know he pretty much keeps that same persona that he had at that time. Yeah. And I think, you know, throwing the cape on might even bring him back to that. So, yeah. so yeah. he can, yeah. you know, be in that, in that moment. And, Sense. you know, rather than trying to mail it home every show, like, Hey, let's do this right. But I, yeah, I mean, we, we were talking about this last night a little bit. It was like uh kind of Z was what sort of like really turned the corner for them. And I think that's when, um, yeah, the first that's album that Brummel was on. Mm -hmm. Yeah, and it was. Really, and Bo as well. And it's really his guitar guys. that, like, changed, yeah. in my opinion, everything for the band. You know, like, he's he brings out what I think of now as the signature My Morning Jacket sound, yeah. um, or just his riffs, you know, that where you have the Jim James songs that he writes and the lyrics that go with them, but but what adds, like, the character and sort of the... The, the depth to the songs are are Carl Brummel's yeah. riffs that like they really and took off at Z like the all yeah. the albums since then. and Bo's yeah. Bo's keys and yeah yeah, mm -hmm. yeah. yeah. and those and, guys sort of mentioned that you know they were in the beginning rehearsing the songs and you know not in front of people and they're like yeah okay whatever and then when they would actually get in front of an audience and play the songs like mm -hmm. like new life would be in these songs that they didn't even realize when they were just whatever, mm -hmm. just playing the notes. Mm -hmm. yeah. It was like when they were performing it in front of people and the reactions, right. you know, like the the give and take energy between the audience and the yep. performer. It was like they were all just losing their 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 minds. Yeah, right. like yeah. how great these songs were. Like they knew they were great, but it's like you don't really like realize it until like you know somebody is really just accepting the song that's being performed. Yeah, of course. So, yeah, and then so getting into some of their performances, I mean, you know, you can you can and there's there's a number of different instances of this, but like, you know, taking the live show to the next level, you know, once they had their their band set and the music that they, you know, they they realized they were onto something. And then they, you know, and then they realized like the show is is really the the key to to, you know, the whole thing. Yeah, so, yeah. you know, they started putting on very specific shows like you might have heard of the prom shows in athens georgia yeah you no know? what are those so basically they they held a, a prom at the i think it was the 40 watt club the 40 yep. watt yeah yep. yeah yep. and everybody there dressed up you know with the balloons and like you know and literally they had they had a prom and everybody there was dressed to the nines oh man like Fucking like nuts. going to the prom and i think seeing the unique cool things like that and like trying to to, to bring a crowd together again back to that like the unity of a prom you know like yeah let's have a prom yeah and let's you know the 40 what better place to do it than the 40 watt club i That's mean awesome yeah like yeah and then you know i mean i think you you mentioned another specific show that they had oh yeah the bonnaroo show that which is considered to be their best show 
Yeah. Like, so I can speak to that. What's that? I can speak to that. Were you at that show? Ladies so, and gentlemen, love Jeff. How? <laughs> Our legal representation. Do you have something I can sign as a disclaimer? <laughs> NDA before we go into <laughs> Folks, I present to you Jeff Hall. He's the third member of our running team, the fourth person to contribute to this conversation, and a really great guy. He has a lot of insightful things to bring to this My Morning Jacket conversation. Listen in. So I've been listening to you guys talk, and I guess, you know, what you were saying about COVID made me think about turning points and kind of hinges to history. And you talking about Z makes me think about how that happens within a band which is actually where I lost my morning jacket, to be honest. Mm. Where is he? Mm-hmm. Yeah. Mm. But prior to that, where I really felt like I felt them was at that show at Bonnaroo. Mm. And was that show before Z? Yeah. Okay. Just was before. Was that 2004? Yeah, Z came out in 05. 05, okay. yeah. So it was... Yeah. All right. And um, so the album they're on, though, at that point is... Uh, widely considered it still be, lives it's 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 it still moves it still moves it still moves good call which has a bear on the front yeah yeah, yeah. yeah. That's golden got the bear. and steam engine yeah, and i think Makita. Right? yeah yeah yeah, yeah. yeah. one big holiday that, a lot of people say that's the record and that's yeah. what i've always thought yeah yeah, yeah. and i wouldn't disagree with that. it's good <laughs> and so uh it it was hotter than hell in manchester tennessee yeah yeah and it got hotter and hotter and hotter. And we got drunker and drunker and drunker. And the humidity got humider <laughs> and humider. And, and then yes, my morning jacket was yes. ready to play. What time is that at? It was in the afternoon as, you know, the southern sort of humidity starts to build. And, yeah. and we were out there. And I was watching my best friend Ryan at the time. His uh, he he has this vein in his forehead that starts to grow as <laughs> the heat rises and and as he consumes alcohol. And I was watching this thing grow on his forehead like <laughs> like a banana slug. And and they're playing and and we're having a great time. And then the wind starts to blow. And that's when I knew that the storm was was coming Coming. in. And on stage, the curtains are blowing at 90 degrees, and you can imagine what their hair is like. Yeah. Yeah. Right? I mean, it was magic. Yeah. (laughs) And I thought we might get struck by lightning. Yeah. But, but, I mean, by the end, like, I thought they were going to call the thing off. Mm. But it was just raging and they were raging on stage and then when the rain finally broke it was like this hinge like this this turning point yeah and i think we've all been there in a show for a turning point yeah yeah oh yeah whether i mean the encore is like the obvious or a set yeah. break or something like right, that right, sure. but right, it can right, be right. very something i mean the dead was great at this some sort of subtle moment in the show where things change right yeah, yeah. Yep. but at this show, it was like this natural moment where everything changed. And it poured and poured and poured, and Manchester, Tennessee turned into a swamp. Yeah. 
It was the mm-hmm. most. Dis- I mean, the show was fantastic, right? Yeah. And my morning jacket finished, and everybody was happy. But it was a mud pit. Yeah. And then there were some guys, some hobo showed up and dragged everybody out of their their cars out of the pits for a hundred dollars a pop and just went down the line one after the other. Raked it in. Them dumb hippies. hippies. Them dumb hippies. In other words, there was this beautiful event. Yeah. Yeah. And then a hinge. Yeah. And things there's a change. Yeah. And after that, I have to be honest, I never really felt the same about my morning jacket. Hmm. And, why and Z came out. Yeah, why, 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 did, yeah, what, why, didn't, why, did, why did Z not resonate with you? I don't know. It didn't feel the same. Hmm. Huh. It, do, it does feel like they're... they're tr- yeah, it is different. Like, they're clearly yep. trying something right. new. It's a new, it's a new direction. Yeah. <laughs> we moved back from, from the D.C. area to Asheville in 2007. And we were closing on our house in in Asheville and booked it at like scheduled the closing, all this. And right afterward, I, I looked up the schedule at the Orange Peel, the well-known venue in Asheville and said, and it said, my morning jacket is playing like the the night of the closing of of our, our house. Me, me moving back to where I grew up, yeah. you know, had sort of conflicting you know, things in my head about moving back to the town that I grew up in. Sure. And um, I went to the closing, went downtown afterward to go to the to will call, to the box office at Orange Peel to pick up my tickets and was extremely excited about going to the show, obviously. And I'm driving back up. I pick up my tickets, I'm driving back up the, the hill on Biltmore Avenue right in the middle of downtown Asheville. I pull up at the stoplight right by uh, the the former <laughs> pack pack yeah. pack monument uh, or whatever Vance monument mm. and uh, the former and the I'm, artist and, and right 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 at the Vance stop monument. right at the stoplight uh, <laughs> Jim James was standing on the corner yeah and and I looked over and I'm like huh like you're you're in that moment and you wanna you don't know what to say like, yeah hey. You want to go have a beer? Like, yeah. he's just the guy. Obviously, didn't want to have anything to do with anybody at that point. He's just going for a walk. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But I just looked up at him and I said, "Hey, Jim," <laughs> and just like yeah. the light turned green, <laughs> and I kept going. And uh, then went to the show that night, and it was one of the. We were talking about the Beastie Boys show last night that was oh. at the Orange Peel. Uh, not not too long after that, but. Um, Which was like this a, was another one of the that was in two thousand and nine I think it's like their second to last show maybe something yeah like that, the second right? to last show but one of the only other shows I've been to at the Orange Peel where and it's an old place there's like this old like warehouse building mm-hmm. and the floor if if the crowd is in sync the 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 floor literally moves <laughs> up and down and that my morning jacket show that that night when we moved back to Asheville was. Was was moving. was moving like that. That's awesome. Yeah, it was, it was wild. But, but, but I, that's one of my only regrets is that I didn't say I only said hi, Jim, and I didn't say, "Do you want to go have a beer?" Let's go get a because car, that was, Jim. <laughs> let's go get a hot brown. <laughs> let's go get a hot brown. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. I bet you he would have done it. I bet he would have gotten a hot brown. Yeah. Interesting enough, uh, we were talking about this. Patrick Hallahan's a huge uh, food fan, and 
is a barbecue aficionado. So I'm sure that guy knows how to make a, a hot brown, and maybe one day we can uh, yeah. get, get together and have we a... we got to get him on the show and talk hot browns. Have mm-hmm. a hot brown with that guy. It sounds so dirty. Does yeah, it really does. Yeah, Chris was telling me about it, and I said that sounds straight out of the Urban Dictionary, man. Yeah, I'm not so sure about it. We're gonna enjoy it when we have it. It it all the reports I've heard is it's it's a very delicious meal and super heavy, and the the kind of food you're supposed to have after you've had a number of like uh, let's say brown drinks, which Mm -hmm. we have, which we are, (laughs) which we. We are doing Louisville good service with the uh, the bourbon drinking. So, mm-hmm. sounds like a plan. Cool. All right, let's hot brown it. Hot brown it. Boom. Outside of Louisville, it was on a, um, a bourbon tour. Sounds about right. With a bunch of my friends, probably like five or six years ago. Yeah. Uh, and it was yeah really cool. Yeah, like this. Okay, so we're sitting in front of a hot brown sandwich. Hot brown sandwich is a, it's an open faced deal, created in 1926 by some guy, the owner of the Brown Hotel. It was created for the people after they were done with their dancing. And their dinners to soak up potentially the bourbon that they had drank all night. And um, it's, it's crazy. You start with the bread. Now, the bread is, is cut in a very particular way. You have two slices of bread. It's supposed to be Texas toast. Uh, we couldn't track down Texas toast for some reason, but we used butter bread. And you cut one slice in half. Uh, diagonally so that you have the triangles and you set those on either side of another piece of bread in the middle. All of this is like toasted beforehand. I mean, you kind of toast it as if you were doing like grilled cheese. So you can use like butter and you put it in a hot pan and and sear it that way. After that's ready, you, you put it in another pan that you're going to put in the oven. You put on slices of turkey, big slices of turkey. So this is a good post-Thanksgiving type of food to do. If you need something to do with your turkey, I think that's the way to go. Then you put Monet sauce on it. It's like a bechamel, but you put a lot of cheese in it. And depending on who you ask, you can use many different types of cheese, but the traditional cheese that they use at the Brown Hotel is Pegadino Romano. Uh, so you have to get that very finely grained if it's going to melt into your, your bechamel. Uh, we used about a cup of, cup of that cheese, uh, inside of our bechamel, which I had about a cup and a half of bechamel, because that's about how much milk I used. Uh, After that is all ready, you pour that over top of your sandwich with some slices of tomato, your turkey, and then you put on a couple slices of bacon. Traditionally, it should be like in a crisscross shape. Not sure why, but you can put your bacon on any way you want to. Put it in the oven until it gets a little bubbly and a little boily, and then take it out, and then you can put a little bit more cheese on there and then some fresh parsley. And then there you go. There's your sandwich, hot and brown, with nothing but brown foods other than the tomato is what I'm observing. <laughs> and you guys are eating it. Is it all right? It's great. Delicious. Delicious. Yeah. yeah. It is quite good. Well done. Yeah. How does this compare with the one that you had had? Mm. <laughs> I don't re- remember all of it <laughs> the last time. <laughs> um, 
I, I'd had some bourbon already that no. day, and I think I was pretty good and hungover from the day before. Yeah. The night before, but uh, no. They were very similar, and I would I would put this one uh, right there with it. And this was at like a really old tavern in some, I forget the town in Kentucky, but it was probably an hour outside of Louisville. Yeah. And just a really neat spot too. Yeah, it's a great sandwich. All of these flavors melt really well together. It's funny, I don't typically associate uh, Pecorino Romano with Kentucky. I agree, but for whatever reason, that is the cheese that they use. But that was only from like one source that I sort of looked. Other people that make hot browns, you can use like a smoked Gouda or like a white cheddar or something like that. Essentially, like this, this sauce that you're making is pretty similar to like the type of sauce that you would use for macaroni and cheese. So there's a lot, it's, there's a ton of cheese, but you know, and it starts out. And also traditionally at the Brown Hotel, they don't use milk, they use cream to make their bechamel. So it's super thick and unhealthy. We just went for whole milk, which is I think a nice healthy compromise. You know, not that there's anything healthy about this food. <laughs> it's clearly a food to, to soak up alcohol and help you have a better day the next the next morning. Sure. Yeah. But I, I like it. I think it's super yummy. I do wish that we had the Texas toast. That that's the only the only complaint I would have. I think the butter bread does does the job though. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. I think it, so too. It toasts really nicely. It like does. Te- Texas toast. For sure, yeah. And I used butter to sort of toast it because that's oh yeah. The the tastiest thing. Got to. Um yeah, and the other thing with this this sandwich, we used like slices, not not like slices of tomato, but chunks of tomato. Like they just kind of cut it into eighths and and sort of put it all around. You know, I've seen other hot browns where you just put slices of tomato on it. Like if you're going to use your traditional deli turkey, which is what we had to use because unfortunately my Thanksgiving turkey from seven months ago did not look so good anymore. Thank you. you Thank are you my, for that. You are my friends. <laughs> I will be seeing you again. So, yeah. yeah, turkey's not supposed to be translucent, right? No, yeah. It was kind of strange that way. Now, do you think that the boys in my morning jacket, you know, they're, 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 some of them are some big boys, mm-hmm. but they do seem like they're more of like a health-conscious sort of band, right? Yeah. Mm-hmm. Like, I know... I don't think they drink anymore. I think I, I know that uh, their bass player Tom stopped drinking at the beginning of the pandemic, mm. and has maintained that. But also mentioned like that's been sort of the practice with the band is like they don't they don't drink at the shows, mm. yeah. and they do meditation. Right. Jim James is big into that, and I yeah I think he yeah. stopped drinking a long time ago. Yeah. When he had a he had a, a major head injury after falling off stage. And I think that. Changed a lot of things for him. I heard about that. Didn't he? Didn't he fall off stage a couple of times? I think he did, but one was particularly bad. Yeah. Major concussion was like having dizziness and terrible headaches and all those things that come with it for a lo- for a while. To the point where I don't think he was able to tour or really do anything wow. because of it. But I do feel that uh, my morning jacket is brown music. Brown music. Yeah. If it were if 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 it were a color, it'd be brown. Mm-hmm. Maybe maybe like a dark tan. Mm. Yeah. Can you elaborate on that? No. <laughs> <laughs> it's a feeling. <laughs> yeah. Well, 
that's cool. Anybody got anything else to add? I think, the, tur- I think the turkey's already working. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, right? It's making us uh, a, little, a little sleepy, doing the job, getting us ready for bed. All right, folks. Well, hey, uh, special thanks to the uh, Rabies Awareness Running Team, who um, did not uh, complete our relay this year. Did not start the relay this year. This was supposed to be this was supposed to be our big our big yearly relay run, and uh, we opted to go to a lake house and talk about my morning jacket and eat open face sandwiches. So I think job done. Job done. Great job, everybody. Thanks for joining us. We'll talk to you later. That's what it is. My morning jacket and a hot brown open-faced sandwich. You ever had one? Make one today. In fact, I'm going to be cooking another hot brown sandwich. I'm going to be putting it up on YouTube just as soon as I get the time to do it. I hope you've been checking out my YouTube channel. Just opened up last month where we did the Huey Lewis seafood chowder, another delicious dish. If you have 12 minutes of time, go over and take a look at it. You can learn how to make it. I'll be following it up with a nice hot brown sandwich. You're going to love it. Big thanks to my brethren in the Rabies Awareness Running Squad group. It's a real thing. Careful of the rabies. Thanks to Chris and Chris's parents for letting us crash his lake house. The affidavits are signed. We are official members of the club. Thank you so much for listening to the show. I'd love to tell you who we're going to have in a couple of weeks, but who knows? I'll tell you what's on the menu. We're either going to be talking about Aerosmith. We're either going to be talking about the Minutemen, finally. We're going to be talking about Pat Benatar, hopefully. I mean, I have a lot of hopes, aspirations, dreams. A lot of guests that want to do it, but, you know, it's it's hard to schedule, man. It's getting busy out there. Anyways, we're going to do it all sooner rather than later. And one way or another, we'll be back in a couple of weeks with another This Band Could Be Your Food episode. Make sure you're following the show. I put everything up on Facebook if you're into that. If you're not, I understand. You can always follow me on Instagram. Not doing that? Oh, man. What about Twitter? On Twitter. Not into Twitter? That's not cool anymore, is it? Ah. Well, geez, if you're not doing those three things, I doubt you're even listening to podcasts. But listen, if you are, go to Apple Podcasts. Rate the show. This band could be your food. This is how we get our show into the ears of other like-minded individuals such as yourself that like food and music and they want to learn. Tell your friends about the show. Is that enough plugging? I plugged. Now go plug a hot brown into your craw. (laughs) Thanks again for listening to the show. My name is Nathan Palin signing off from Greenpoint, Brooklyn, New York City. Reminding you to cook on and rock out. Ciao, ciao.